This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. All right, welcome back to Main Corpse. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm with... Kelsey, hi. All right, so we have a weird, weird episode for you today. This is not going to be like anything you've heard us do before. I'll get into what it is here in just a moment. But before we do, we have something really special as far as food goes. Do you want to explain what we have in front of us? Okay, so we decided this week we weren't going to do Asian food again. And we decided we're going to do Taqueria Lulu. Yeah. And they started out, I think, as a food truck, right? That's my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They were a food truck for like a year-ish before yeah. they did a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. And they are probably one of the best places in the area. I'm I'm going to say they're my favorite yeah. for like traditional street tacos. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Tex-Mex, there are a couple places that I think do it a little bit better. But they're, they're street food and they're, they're like... Um, wild assortment of meats that you can get packed into their tacos and flautas, which is what we have today, um, is exceptional. I think you're going to pull up the list of what we have here. I sure am. All right. So their list of meats you can get are carne asada, polo, chorizo, carnitas, al pastor, um, lingua, which is just beef tongue, Mm -hmm. um, brisket, tilapia, and shrimp and we got one of everything because go big or go home yeah so we have one of everything sitting in front of us right now um and we got them in the form of flautus which we is did. a uh which is a it look is it's a flour tortilla right or is that a corn tortilla it's it a corn is tortilla. a corn tortilla we yeah. could have chosen flour if we wanted but we didn't um and they serve it with like a little salad mix you mm-hmm. can get um there's pico, there's sour cream, there's cheese, and it's all on about a lettuce, and you kind of, it's a make-your-own sort mm-hmm. of a deal. Yeah, and they, so they take the corn tortilla, they put um, a crazy amount of meat, you'll see in the pictures, inside mm-hmm. of it, roll it, and then deep fry it. And they don't put cheese in it or anything, and I, I think the point is you, like you said, you kind of build your own meal with it, you do your own thing, mm-hmm. uh, because it comes with sour cream, pico, and then we also managed to get... Their salsas as well. So we have a red hot salsa. We have their verde, which is also pretty spicy. Um, I've already tried it before. We have their cheese, which I honestly, I don't think I've ever had. Even the last time we were there, I didn't try it when you guys got it. So I'm interested to get into that. Um, And we have just their regular chip salsa, like what they Mm -hmm. give you when you come in for for chips. So we have a lot of stuff to go through. And um, this I'm is going to so take excited. a Yeah, me too. I'm really. And by the way, I'm going to tie this into our subject super quick. So our subject this week and why I made the recommendation that we do Taqueria Lulu. Um, our subject this week is someone who is close to my heart. Um, he's a filmmaker named Al Adamson. And we'll get to why he's on a true crime podcast here in just a little bit. If you already know, then just just hold tight. No spoilers. No spoilers yet. But he made all of his films in California, Nevada, Utah, places like that. You know, the American West where, um, you know, Mexican food is kind of king. I just came back from Nevada and I can tell you it's everywhere. So... um, that's why we chose this in honor of the location of our true crime for this week, which is uh, the story of Al Adamson. So where do you want to start? Um, let's just start with the hottest one. Okay, cool. So I'm all in. I've got a chip. I'm going to go with the hot one. Now, right. Brittany warned me that this is very hot. It's more flavorful than hot. It's more, it tastes more like chili to me. But it is hot, and the heat hits you in the back of your throat, and it kind of stays there. Does that make sense? It just hit me really hard that time. (laughs) So it's actually tingly right in the back of the throat. Yeah. Um, It feels kind of scratchy. It's weird. Are you okay? I'm good. I'm going to ruin that perfect podcast voice. It's all right. It'll come back. So, <laughs> yeah, she's totally right. What happens is it kind of starts when it first hit, when it first hits your tongue. It's kind of a little sweet at first, 
Yeah. And then you get like this immense chili flavor, and then the spice just sits right on the back of your tongue. I had tried it before with the flautas, like dipping it, and it didn't hit me as hard as it does just putting it on a chip. Um, very, very good, though. Okay. Want to go to Verde? Yeah, let's go to the Verde. It's got a nice, like, um, citrusy flavor to it. Yeah. Lime, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, uh, the tomatilla is really heavy in that. Like, that tomatilla mm-hmm. flavor, it tastes really clean. And really fresh. Yeah, like a garden. Um, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it, it's really, really good. And it also has, whatever they're using, whatever pepper they're using, it mm-hmm. also has that heat that sits right on the back of your tongue. Um, it's not overwhelmingly hot. Of course, the red isn't either. The red, like I said, just, it gave me this weird scratchiness on the back of my throat that mm-hmm. just was was kind of hard to overcome for a second, but it's really, really good, too. And the heat's, um, like, still staying with me. If you're someone really who likes nice. spicy food, yeah, it's, it's really like, sticking my mouth right there. and, like, throat are yeah, still, like, warm. it's really, really good. So I highly recommend the two house-made salsas, the red and the verde. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are really, really good, and we asked for them, and they literally gave us, like, a 12-ounce container of it. Um, so go I'm going to do cheese next. Maybe that'll, like, mild it out a little bit Let's so see. I can taste. Mm. They just make a good cheese. Super basic. Yep. Um, no frills. What's in it? I don't know. Because there's little pieces of, like, pepper. Yeah, or... there's, so there, there's some sort of, like, maybe it's like a hatch chili or something, like a, mm-hmm. a green hat. It's like a little green chili of some kind just floating around in there. Um, I don't really taste that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, it doesn't hit me. I don't think. I think we should have maybe started there. Uh-huh. Because I think we I think we, we, I think we overwhelmed it. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's really, really good. It's a very, very, very basic cheese sauce. Like, um, I'm going to say it's a step above what you get at, like, your traditional, like, American-style mm-hmm. Mexican restaurant. Um, it's really smooth. Um, it, yeah, it's just really smooth. It's super salty mm-hmm. and, and really cheesy. So, I mean, where can you really go wrong, especially for the price? Yeah, not, um, not with cheese. Cheese I think is it's, so like, good. three bucks for a side of it. It's really, really affordable. So. Yeah. Well, and they, unlike most places, they've mm-hmm. got three different sizes. You can do a small, medium, or large. Oh, okay, and cool. we ordered the large yeah, cheese Yeah, I sauce. heard that you, I thought you ordered two small. Then when I got the large one, he said, no, we just, you guys just ordered one large. And I, and it was large, too. It was big. Yeah, so. I, um, when I ordered two, because most places only give you, like, a little, like, a little maybe cup. four ounce cup. Yeah. And I was like, all right, we'll just order two so that we have some for us and some for yeah. Michael and Britt. And, um, yeah, they they were like, no, what size do you want? <laughs> oh. Yeah, one of my favorite, like, non-traditional burrito places is Black Bear Burrito. And they always give me their queso in this little two-ounce cup, and it pisses me off. Me too. But here's the thing about their queso. I'd sell my soul for their it's queso. So good. Oh, my God. If so, I had a soul, I mm-hmm. would sell it for their queso. We're going to have to come up with a special episode where we do Black Bear Burrito because I I love them. Oh, maybe um, we could contact so them and they could make a special for us. We should ask them for that. Because yeah. they do that kind of stuff. That we should really also ask Takaria Ta- Lulu, you should make a main corpse. You don't have to call it that. We can come up with a better name. But you should make a themed burrito uh, because we're probably the first podcast to give you some love. I think. I have I no know. idea, but I hope. I don't know. So Lots now of people give them I'm going to try just their basic, like this is the salsa they give you when you come in with the free chips. I really like their salsa. Mm-hmm. It has you know, a nice fresh flavor to it too. You know why I like it? Why? You can really taste the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many places I go that are so afraid to let people know that that's tomato, <laughs> I think, because when you get and it. it's overwhelmed uh-huh. with onion mm-hmm. and cilantro and this maybe it has a little cilantro in the it. The onion is there. The cilantro is there. There's a little pepper in there. There's a little salt. But there's not so um, much cilantro. Someone who doesn't like cilantro wouldn't like it. And it's so fresh that when I when I get a bite of that, I actually it kind of reminds me of when you eat a slice of fresh tomato, which is really really cool. Um, I like that the tomato shines through on that. Um, that's probably the better one around here that I've had. Oh, for, for the sure. free, you know, salsa. Brittany's going to kill me if I always slide my plates across the table. <laughs> All right. So now we start the mountain. Um, oh, I'm so, so excited. We've got, yeah, let me count these to make sure I'm right. No, we have 10. Sorry, we have 10. We have 10, but they only had nine meats when I listed them. I, and I the think two he, that I can't tell apart, I think are the same one. I think he went ahead and gave us ground beef, too. 
So if you look really close right okay. here, this one has to be chorizo because I can see all the spices. Mm -hmm. This is ground beef. But I think ground beef was one of, you know what? Whatever. Yeah, I think one is, I think ground, was ground beef listed on there? Because I think he gave us a ground beef one. You know what? It might not have been. Let's look really quick because that's what I was thinking. When I saw 10, I thought the same thing and I was like, it's got to be ground beef. Steak chicken. You're right. It's not on there. So yeah, yeah that must be what it is. Yeah, and this one, I'm going to bet my, I'm going to bet everything. This one is chorizo. Oh, it has to be. Um, because you can see it. So I'm going to start with the ground beef. That's where I Let's wanted to start too. I'm sorry. I keep sliding stuff, Brittany. Um, yeah, Brittany, you hate us. And she also asked me one time, she's like, do you guys want me to take the chewing out? And I was like, no, I want them to hear me enjoy my food. Yeah, this is, this is my so, food to enjoy. Yep. I'm going to do the same thing you did and kind of use this to, uh, Add some cheese to this one. All right. All right. Here we go. Ready? Uh-huh. Mmm. It's good. Mm, really good. If that was just like a plain taco, like, I would be so happy about it. Yeah, me too. So, um, you know one thing I hate when I go to um, American-style Mexican restaurants? That, that their ground beef never has any flavor to it. Mm -hmm. It's just um, ground beef. It's just literally cooked. just ground beef. This actually has some... Uh, it's salty. Um, it's not really particularly sweet, but it's got some... Some chili it, in there somewhere. Yeah, it has some flavor to it. And their flautas get so crunchy mm -hmm. that it's crazy. I mean, like, you'll be able to hear the crunch when we eat it. It's insanely crunchy. Like, I wasn't exaggerating that. Mm -hmm. So next, I would like to do one of the two fish tacos, flautas. I, I'm going to be honest with you. If we can just go ahead and do both of those now. Because I also don't love, like, fish I, Mexican food, and I hate shrimp. So yeah, I... <laughs> So here's here's what I'm going to do to try to help. So the tilapia, I love tilapia. So I also love tilapia. I am going to try it with the verde because I ha I just have a feeling the verde is going to be the right way to go with this one. Put some sour cream on it. Because yeah, I'm doing the same. I'm thing. a fancy bitch. Love sour cream. And I agree that that's a really good idea. So we're just gonna... yeah. I just I think the Here, green. Mine? Yeah, please. We're using a chip instead of a spoon to because uh, to scoop our sauces. The less dishes I have to do, yeah. the happier I am. That's why I got plastic forks. Smart. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make her do <laughs> all those dishes. All right, here all right. we go. Their tilapia is generally so well cooked. Mm -hmm. It's so, nice. It's flaky. It's super not dry. Flaky, not dry at all. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reiterate something here. Because here, I'm going to take another bite of it in one second and then tell you what I think of everything together. That crunch you're hearing, this has been sitting for like 45 minutes, waiting for yeah. us to get to it, and it is still that crunchy. Mm -hmm. Like that level of crunch. A very basic tilapia. Yeah. It doesn't taste they too seasoned. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't really season their stuff a lot. They season it a little bit, but it's not so much that it's overwhelming. It They let the meats speak for themselves exactly and, and i like that yeah it, it's really good um i'm not gonna say that i would personally get it every time i go in i think i prefer their pork and their tongue a little bit more mm -hmm. than i prefer the fish but um i'm a little that. bit obsessed with the chorizo so. oh the chorizo you should try Brittany got american style chorizo mm -hmm. tacos it might be better than the corn ones really she let me try a bite it's really good oh, she and put cheese on them so. so you guys know, they do a Taco Tuesday every Tuesday, yeah. and um, that is 100% the way to go. You go, you order mm -hmm. one of every single meat, and then four extras of whatever your favorite meat yeah, is. Yeah, and it comes to like 12 bucks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, it, it's really, really good. I will say they do charge a little extra for their specialty meats. They do. Um, which, is, which is understandable. I mean, you know. All right, let's try... Uh, I'm so stressed about this because I just, I really hate shrimp. I'm going to do the red on this one, the spicy red. Okay. you uh, And I'm going to see how this goes. I don't know what's going to make this taste good because I hate shrimp so much. You just hate shrimp. I really do. You can um, ask Michael. I'm I like breaded shrimp a lot. Nope. I don't. It's a texture thing. I don't like lobster okay. either. Okay. So you don't, I won't judge you if you don't eat the entire thing. Oh, I'm not gonna. Don't worry. Uh, that was certainly shrimp. Yeah, so, that was something. So the last time Brittany and I did this, when, the first time we went to Taqueria Lulu, we got one of everything. Yeah. And the shrimp was like minced shrimp. Mm-hmm. And I actually really liked the tacos as a minced shrimp. Got it. And that was whole shrimps. Yeah, that was like giant 
pieces <laughs> of shrimp. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I had trouble getting it down too. This is not an indictment on. No, 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 no. The if restaurant. You, see, my my <laughs> husband. Let's be clear. My husband ordered five shrimp, shrimp tacos. tacos. Yeah. The man loves shrimp, mm-hmm. and he loves their shrimp. I just hate shrimp, and I knew it was gonna be. I am a middle of the road fan of shrimp. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, that was not overall a pleasant experience for me just now. The shrimp, because it was fried, was a little bit chewier than it even normally would be. Yeah. Uh, and I and wonder, just... like, if the like chewy these pieces down here that like got fried, fried would be better. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you the truth before you try that. I'm not going to. Okay, because I'm I, asking. <laughs> I so when I did it, uh my all the shrimp came out in one piece because it was all fried together. Okay. So I got that fried piece on the end cuz what she's talking about where the flauta is open on the end, the whatever meat is on the outside gets a little extra cooked. It's actually the best part of it. Yeah, it's like a bark in when this you're doing case, like It made it extremely chewy um and kind of rubbery. So again, okay. Not the best way to eat their shrimp, I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe flauta's not yeah. the way to go for their shrimp. Yep. But like I said, when I had it as a taco, it was really good. Yeah. And I, again, hate shrimp. I, I have not had it as a taco. I'm going to take your word for it and probably avoid that. Um, yeah, I like no, the tilapia <laughs> significantly more. Yeah. Like, way more. So... Do you want to go with the, do you want to just get through all the basics first? Like, just do their basic chicken and their basic steak first? Yeah. Okay, let's do, um. Say, which of these is their basic steak, though? Uh, right over here. That should be their basic steak. That's their basic steak and not uh-huh. the tongue. Um, ooh. Because I'm thinking it's the tongue. Does that look like? I have a feeling mm. that, well, this guy is maybe the steak. I and know for a tongue. fact. Pork. <laughs> You guys are getting some some extra some extra time on the uh, the food this time around. Let's do the chicken first. Oh, steak. That's got to be the steak. This one over here. Mm-hmm. So it'd be this one right here. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because this is pork for sure. Yes. And this is definitely tongue. Okay. Cool. Cool. cool okay. Cool. cool. So we're doing chicken okay. now. <laughs> Let's do chicken. I'm gonna put the steak back here so I don't forget where it is. And my chicken kind of fell apart. Um, well, that so, sucks. Yeah. I want cheese. I was about to say that's all I want with this is cheese. No, you got to add sour cream because if you're not eating all of the dairy when you're minorly allergic to dairy, then <laughs> you're really living. Okay, so. Oh my God. That chicken's so good. Mm-hmm. Great flavor. Mm-hmm. It's not too dry. It's nice. It's well done. It's got such a good texture, too. Mm-hmm. And there's crispy bits from the end. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Mine fell out, and I had to eat them separately, and it made me sad. <laughs> yes, Michael, I take burgers and stuff apart because I get, like, bored of eating the bread. I get it. I, I'm a bread lover, so, like, you can put extra bread on mine, and I would probably still eat it. Perfect. We can share food like yeah. we do every week. All right, so the chicken, here's what I'm going to say about it. It's It's probably, if you are a picky eater, it's their best option. By far. And what by that I mean, if you want Ground something beef. that's just going to be down the middle and not offensive in any way and just really nice, the chicken and the ground beef are both really, really good options. The chicken, like she said, is not too dry. Um, it's not too juicy or anything. It's just perfect. I yeah, mean, it's just right to, where it needs to be. You've got to keep in mind, it's, re, like it's fried after it's fully cooked. Right. So it's a little bit drier than what it would be if you, we got it in a taco form. Right. But... I think the frying and making, like, the little crispy bits just, mm-hmm. I like the Frying flavor. and making the crispy bits makes everything better. Except shrimp. Except shrimp. We learned <sighs> that. I'm sorry. Except shrimp. We we learned um, a lesson today, and I'll yeah. never forget it. <laughs> it. It was a tough one. It was a tough <laughs> lesson to learn, but we learned it. And we're going to be wiser. We yeah. still have six of these left to go through. Five, six, you're right. We're oh, man, six. I can't count. <laughs> oh, no. This is, um, is going to be a long day. Um, okay, cool. So, do we want to do the pork next? Just the plain pork or the steak? Where is the plain pork? At? Right beside the steak because I'm a piece of shit. This one right here? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. All right, plain pork. I'm sure you're going to need flavor plain pork, so let's just mm, dive into much. the salsa. Believe it or not. I'm going to go with the red again because I'm really digging that red. Yeah, because I know you're not, a, you're not a huge pork eater, are you? Mm-mm. Don't get me wrong. We eat ham at the holidays. We eat mm-hmm. bacon because we're not fucking savages right that's about it i do pulled pork once in a while i think 
I've made it for you guys. Mm-hmm. We like that. Like, we like pork shoulder that's been slow cooked for like six hours. It's very good pork. Uh, it's a good texture. It's nice and moist and when you when you cook pork the wrong way, it gets where you can you can rub it between your tongue and the roof of your mouth and it literally crumbles. That doesn't do that. It it really you can actually taste the texture of the pork. Mm-hmm. Not crazy flavorful, um, but the pork shines through. I mean, it tastes mm-hmm. like pork. It does. And it's really pork. good. So where are we going next? I've got. <laughs> all right, we just did the carnitas. We've mm-hmm. got the marinated pork. I think is here. Beef tongue. One of these is brisket. I would guess... Probably this guy is brisket because this guy is certainly steak. I think this one is your tongue, right? Mm-hmm. One of these two has to be marinated so pork this and one is has chorizo. to be brisket. That's marinated pork. Yeah, right. this is, I think, your brisket right here. All right, so which one are we going to eat? Let's start with the brisket. All right, sounds good. You guys are like, damn, get to the murder. This is really good. We're not getting there yet. Calm down, guys. I'm going to do the same thing you did. It is so good. Mm-hmm. I don't even like brisket. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. I think it's too fatty. I don't like fatty meats. I don't like ribeyes. Like, as someone who, like, comes from the food world, that is, like, a no-no. You can't not like ribeyes, and I don't, I can't stand them. That was the best one of the day so far. I really enjoyed that. Marinated pork next, probably. This guy right here, I believe. Oh, my God. How is it? I don't know what they marinated in, but I like it. Oh, it's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Good. So the marinated pork has the exact same texture as the regular pork that we had, the pulled pork. It's got so much more flavor. I'm getting pineapple somewhere Mm -hmm. in there. That's probably where the sweetness is coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm picking up uh, maybe Coke, something like that. Because I've seen people who put Coke in their pork. I'm getting something sweet that's like a, almost coffee, I guess is what I would say. Like a Coke, coffee type of... Probably type a brown of type sugar. Of Maybe brown sugar. Maybe that's what they did. Doesn't matter. We'll never know. So the next one we've got that's like just regular food is going to be the steak. Then we've got tongue and chorizo. Save the best two for last. Oh, for sure. Because <laughs> I I really like... I didn't think I would. I really like beef tongue. But chorizo is like top notch for me. I'm not offended by the steak. It's good. The flavor's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little overdone on my end. Like a little bit. I like mine to just get slapped in the kitchen and sent back out to me. Same. So Yeah. So when I taste beef that's um this well done, because you gotta think again, what she's pointing out, if this were on a taco, it would probably be a lot better. Where it was in a flauta. And it got cooked twice. And it got cooked twice. It is uh it's a little much for me. It's a little extra. But if you're someone who likes <laughs> your steak well done. Yeah, if you yeah, if you prefer well done steak, this is for you. It, and it's here's the deal. For well done steak, it's not dry. Right. So there's that. It's just got a texture to it that is definitely well done. So do you want to do the tongue or the um, chorizo next? Mm, tongue. All right, cool. That's what I wanted to. This is exciting. Man, do I love tongue. This is one of those ones that came out of nowhere for me a couple of years back mm-hmm. when I found tongue. Oof. I think you're going to be disappointed because it's too cooked. Mm-hmm. That said, in the taco, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So that was a mistake on my part for ordering flautas. Here's the thing, guys. The flautas are cheaper than the tacos, <laughs> and I am cheap. We so. were trying to save money today. Because no one has, like, sent us money just for existing yet, so. Get on it, guys. Um, <laughs> The flavor is still absolutely unreal. Oh, yeah, no, it's so good. Um, It's very, very well done in that. And that type of uh, that type of item. I've been waiting all day for this one. I'm so excited about the chorizo. <clears throat> Who's not? If you don't like chorizo, you're not American. Oh my god. The flavor is unreal. There was a place I used to stay at when I was traveling for work. And it was a hotel in South Carolina. And the chef who worked in the kitchen at this hotel, he would do food every night for the people who were staying there. Mm-hmm. Like free foods. You could just come by and it was like a little buffet. And he used to do this chorizo flatbread. And this is almost exactly what it tasted like. Okay. So they must they must get their chorizo from the same place. Because he would do like a really thin flatbread. And he would put down like, you know, crumbly good cheese on it. And then chorizo. And then he would just bake it. And it was so good. I've got cheese everywhere. All over the place. I'm making fun of Millie for having cake all over her face earlier. And I'm covered in cheese now. So the chorizo itself is pretty standard chorizo. It's very salty. Mm-hmm. Very finely ground, very crispy. 
on the end where it was fried. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, it's it, not as greasy as it normally is. Nowhere in tacos. near as greasy. Yeah. So I think the frying actually helped, yeah, helped for this it a one. Lot. Yeah, because Brittany got the chorizo tacos, and when she was trying to eat it, the whole bottom like of the taco soup, was dude. soaked. Yeah, they're delicious, but they're very they're my very favorite. Greasy. Oh, what a good like choice today. Mm-hmm. Now that I've had, first off, every meat that they have, the only one I was missing, by the way, was the shrimp, but all the other ones I'd had on tacos. The chorizo is the star. Like, it, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. The chorizo, and then if you're if you're going to get tacos, get tongue. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm going to say their chicken. I love their chicken. If you pour their cheese over top of it on a taco. With some of the verde sauce. Oh. Lights out. It's really, really good. I, I'm, yeah, this is one of the best meals we've ever had on this show. I love it. Matt, I said I told you this last week, and I'm going to tell you again. You say that every week. It's so good. This 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 was special, though. I mean, this was so different. Um, <laughs> I'm we got to do this. a place we haven't tried yet. Yeah, I'm going to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down this week, and I'm going to put my rankings from first to last of every place we've tried. That way, that way, you don't have to keep reminding me that I repeat myself every week. Because I totally do. I totally You really do. do. Every week you're like, oh my god, this is the best food we've ever had. Well, every week it seems to get better. Leave me alone. I'm not. <laughs> we really do need to like do some place that neither of us have eaten I know. At. I know. Um, but the problem is we're foodies, so we've yeah. tried pretty much everywhere. Yeah, when something new comes in, I go try it. Now, I am going to avoid the Vietnamese place, because there's a new Vietnamese place around here that you've been to that I haven't. I sure have. So, I'm going to avoid it, and I don't want you to tell me much about it, because I want to, I want to try to, I want to try it blind on the show. So, that way, at least one of us has never had it. Perfect. So. I'm going to get something that I didn't get last time. That way you've never had it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, maybe we should do that for we'll do it, we'll do it on an episode soon. We'll yeah, do it soon. for sure. All right, so you want to talk about Al Adamson? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's jump right into it. To talk about Al Adamson, we have to start off with we have to start off with the history of film. So let's so let's dive into the history of the American exploitation film for just a moment. If you don't know anything about um, the American exploitation boom of the 1960s and 70s, I'll put it in a very quick perspective for you. So. What happened in the 1920s and the 1930s is there was there was something called the film code that came about. Have you ever heard of the film code before? You know I haven't. They will whenever you talk about cinema, like silent films into like the Universal Monsters era stuff like that. People mm-hmm. will always talk about the pre-code and post-code, right? So pre-code was before we had a set of rules for motion pictures. Post-code is after we had a set of established rules for what films had to adhere to. Basically, the the code was meant to clean things up, make sure there was no nudity, make sure there wasn't extreme amounts of violence, things like that. That's why in the 1930s and 40s and even into the 50s, it's really hard to find films that have a lot of nudity, that have an extreme amount of violence, things like that, right? Um, They would, you know, want to read your script and they might want to change the end of it or something like that. To, to better suit um, So is that audiences. where the rating system started? That's exactly right. That's essentially where that led to. So the reason I bring up the code is because during the code, there were a group of people called the 40 Thieves. That's what they were affectionately known as. Okay. They were pre-code filmmakers who made essentially exploitation films, right? They would be films about... Um, juvenile delinquents and stuff like that that would just naturally move to people taking their clothes off and doing drugs and there was this exploitation element to it, right? There was something to hook in the viewer. So after the code, you had these filmmakers who moved into this underground film circuit where what they would do is instead of making the movies they were making before, they would make um, educational films. And it would be educational films like How to Undress in Front of Your Husband, How to Take a Shower. It would be How to Make a Baby, right? And they would go around to cities, like in a traveling carnival, and they would show these films. And they would only show them for a night or two because then the law enforcement would catch wind of what they were really doing. And they would pull up and move to another town. So that's the, the basis of exploitation 
filmmaking in America. Okay. I'm not going to get into those filmmakers because right now, for what we're talking about, they don't really matter. Um, in the early 1960s, late 1950s, you had roles becoming a little more relaxed. And they became a little more relaxed because regional filmmakers who may only make movies in Wisconsin and show those movies in a five-area range would get away with more because they were showing them at drive-ins, they were showing them late at night, they were showing them at what would traditionally be like porn theaters and stuff like that. And this is where you find Al Adamson fitting right there in the middle of this movement, this regional filmmaker movement. So to give you an example of some, some famous regional filmmakers, George Romero, who made Night of the Living Dead, mm -hmm. he was considered a Pittsburgh regional filmmaker at first. Now, he moved out of that later on. And obviously, he was a Pittsburgh area. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. Me. He made all of his movies in Pittsburgh, all that stuff. Down in Florida, you had Herschel Gordon Lewis, who is considered the godfather of gore. Um, he made some of the earliest, like, gory horror movies. Um, you had Bill Rebane, who was up in Wisconsin making his movies. You had um, another Florida filmmaker, William Greff, who made these movies down in the swamp. And they all had an exploitation element to them. They were made to be... Um, scintillating to the American public, right? So you would see these previews and it would say, you know, come and see a, an alligator tear men to pieces, like women unleashed, all this, all these crazy things. Uh, basically everything that Quentin Tarantino based his filmography off of, right? Okay. So in the middle of that, you had a filmmaker in California named, um, named Al Adamson. And that's who okay. we're going to talk about today. So Al Adamson was famous for a couple different things. First of all, he was the son of a, a famous um, movie cowboy from the silent era named Denver Dixon. You've probably never heard of him before. I have not. But back in the 1930s and the 1940s, he was a big deal, right? He was, um, he was you know, the, the big cowboy star. He was there, Clint Eastwood. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, yeah. people like that, right? Gotcha. So his son grew up and gained this love of musical theater. He wanted to go into musical theater. Um, that's what makes Al Adamson so interesting. Whenever you see pictures of his private film collection, like his VHS tapes in the 80s and stuff, it was all stuff like West Side Story and, um, you know, Bette Midler movies and, and, and things like that. He loved musicals. And that was his first love. That's what he wanted to do. Well, his dad tried to push him in a different direction and wanted him to become an actor like he was. So he would pop up in a couple movies here and there. Him and his dad had a very, from what I understand, a pretty volatile relationship. And they ended up splitting apart on the first movie they tried to do together. Um, and it was a disaster. So he stepped in and tried to direct it after his dad left. It, it was really, really horrible. And he, he was left feeling super depressed. So he really was almost ready to step away from it and just kind of focus on going into like different businesses for himself when he was approached by Sam Sherman, who was a producer at the time, who was known for making cheap, low-budget, quick horror films, things like that. And he fell in with him. And he started making movies like Psycho A Go Go, which is one of my favorite titles ever. What? Um, he made uh, The Blood of Ghastly Horror, which, get this, they're the same movie. And what he did was, so he made Psycho A Go Go. It didn't do very well. So then he went and shot some new scenes and just pasted them in there to make it a different movie and re-released it. And then he did it a third time, too. He released this movie three different times under different names. Um, he's also really famous for making Dracula versus Frankenstein, which is uh, heavily regarded in the film community as having the worst Dracula um, ever put on screen. <laughs> That's not um, true. It's bad. Dracula 2000 is terrible. You should watch this movie. I'll bring it over. <laughs> okay. um, let's see if we can even get through it. Uh, because it's, it's, hey, it's we made it through one. Repo. We made it through the other one. Oh, the Circus. There, this is probably worse. The Devil's Carnival. That's what it is. Devil's Carnival is terrible. Yeah. He also made um, one of my favorite uh, exploitation movies ever, Satan's Sadists. Uh, which is this really, really killer flick. Uh, it's a biker flick, and it's it's really fun. It's, uh, by today's standards, extremely problematic. So I would <laughs> avoid that if you if you have any problem with uh, with stuff like that. 
Um, I will also say that one of his other movies that I love a ton is The Female Bunch. It was kind of this quasi-kung fu western about a bunch of women living in the desert who kill men. <laughs> it was really, really good. Somebody went through a breakup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was rough. Um, it, it's a fun movie, though. And what's really cool about the history of Al Adamson, there was another thing that, that I'm going to say personally I loved about him. He went out and found these old stars who no longer worked and would bring them in and, and let them be a part of his movies. Oh, so cool. um, Lon Chaney Jr., who made, who the, he's the Wolfman for oh. Universal. Like, the Wolfman, right? Uh, like, okay. one of the most famous horror characters, characters of all time had fallen into severe alcoholism. Um, he, from what I understand, was pretty much disowned by his family. He had he, he had started to develop some form of um, esophageal cancer, to my understanding. And they brought him on. They brought him on to make this movie, The Female Bunch. And he was so bad he couldn't even deliver his lines. And they were going to just fire him. And Al Adamson was like, "I'm not going to do that." Like he's look at him. Like he needs this. So it was like his last chance to really be in a movie. So Hollywood had pretty much thrown him to the wayside and Al Adamson swoops in and picks him up and, and puts him in his movies. You know what I mean? And of course, originally it started, he's a name we can put on the poster. I mean, they're exploitation films, you know? Right. But, um, it's the same story with John Carradine. He used John Carradine in a bunch of films at a time when John Car Carradine was basically persona non grata in Hollywood. People didn't want anything to do with him because he was an alcoholic. He had fallen on really hard times. And Al Adamson, for all intents and purposes, kind of resurrected his career and gave him a second chance to work. And he did this over and over again with, with stars who had been kind of left by the wayside. Um, <clears throat> same story with, if you look at um, Ed Wood, I, I'm sure you know who Ed Wood is, <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, Tim Burton made a movie about him. People consider him to be the worst filmmaker of all time, but every time I watch it, I see someone who found Bela Lugosi when he was an extreme addict and brought him basically off the streets and let him star in films again. And Bela Lugosi loved him for that so you can call him the worst filmmaker of all time but the fact of the matter is he worked outside of the hollywood system and so did al adamson and they gave these people who hollywood just booted out a second chance to do something uh, which was really really cool so that's one of the reasons i love al adamson um he was also <laughs> from my understanding um Pretty hard to work with sometimes because he was so cheap. He wanted to do everything as cheaply as possible. But as no matter how cheap he is, when you listen to people interviewed about Al Adamson and his life, they can't help but love the guy because he he just had this uh, this thing about him that people wanted to work with him. You know, he he mm -hmm. and he had this really weird way of bringing people in who would later on become you know, really big. He had some people who were uh, later on won Oscars in his films later on were, you know, big time cinematographers in Hollywood. So he kind of had this little factory going mm -hmm. where he would give people a chance to, to do this work and get their name out there and not pay them jack shit <laughs> because you know, why would he? He's Al Adamson. Al had a really prolific career in the 1960s and the 1970s. And by the 1980s, it had kind of fallen off a cliff because you had movies like Star Wars coming out that were mm -hmm. kind of jading the American movie public um, to where they didn't want to watch the cheap movies anymore, right? I, I mean, you can't make a $25,000 movie that compares to Star Wars, right? That compares to Indiana Jones. So in the 1980s, his career saw a steep decline. Um, he made a movie called Carnival Magic at that time that was about a talking monkey, and it's really hard to get through. Um, sounds really bizarre. It's and... really, it's really, really bizarre. Um, and he also had a couple unfinished films. One was this kind of adventure film for kids, and the other one was a film that's going to lead us directly into the story of the tragic death of Al Adamson. Um, because, again, this is a true crime podcast, so you know something not good is going to happen to this man. Um, and it's heartbreaking. So, by the way, before we get into this, I'm going to give a, sh a big-time shout-out to Severin Films. Um, they made a film called Flesh and Blood, um, The Real Life and Ghastly Death of Al Adamson. 
And they accompanied that with a giant retrospective box set that got together like 25 of his films all in one place for the first time ever. Um, I totally went out and bought it and I watched everything from beginning to end. I'd only ever seen like three of his movies before this box set came out. And I, I did a deep dive into his whole career and just, just got this, this whole new appreciation for what he did. But yeah, shout out to Severn Films. Um, you guys should definitely find that, that um, documentary. It's an hour and a half. Um, it's on Shudder right now. It's streaming. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Super interesting documentary that goes into a lot more detail than what I'm going to get into here. By the 1990s, um, the love of his life had unfortunately passed away from cancer. He met her making films. She had passed away. And he was, he had kind of walked away from directing. He had a couple different houses. He had one in Texas. He had one in Las Vegas. He had one in um, Indio, California, which that house is going to come into play big time here in just a little bit. So he was kind of moving from house to house, working on his properties, um, investing money in different, different side ventures, things like that. And Sam Sherman, who was his old producer, came back to him and asked him to make a film about alien abductions. So in the midst of this, he meets a new lady who is going to be his star for this new film. They kind of fall in love and start dating, and she's living with him in, in uh, Nevada at his Las Vegas home. And while they're making this film, there's all sorts of weird shit that starts to happen. And from my understanding, everybody involved in the production started to get very, very uh, paranoid that they were being followed, they were being watched, um, that they were getting too close to the truth. Um, Al's girlfriend at the time, who was in his little alien movie, um, claims that Al Adamson met someone who was half alien, half human. And was told some things that changed his life and like the trajectory of what he was doing with his life. Ultimately, this film never did get finished. Uh, there are some shots from the movie that they show in the documentary. So you can kind of see a little bit about that. Um, that are kind of interesting. But doesn't look like it's a particularly well-made movie, uh, if I'm being honest. While they're working on this movie, he meets, like I said, his new girlfriend, and they're living in they're living in uh, Nevada at the time, kind of going back and forth between their different properties and everything like that. And they, so one day, someone knocked on their door in Nevada, and his girlfriend answers the door, and it's a gentleman who is looking for work. He's kind of a handyman, and his name is Fred Fulford, is his name. Fred Fulford. And Al Adamson is kind of coming down the steps when this gentleman is standing at the door talking to his girlfriend and she's saying, no, we don't need anything. And he says, well, no, don't, don't leave yet. And talks to him and figures out that this guy will do some work for very, very cheap. So hires him to kind of help do some work around the house in Nevada. The wife immediately doesn't like this, or the girlfriend, not his wife, I don't think, immediately doesn't like Fred. Thinks Fred is bizarre, and starts to notice that Fred is doing some weird stuff, like um, combing his hair the same way that Al did, wearing shirts that were very similar to the shirts that Al Adamson was kind of famous for, like these button-up... Oh my God, um, was this like, guy stalking him? We'll get to that here in just a minute. So, shows up at the house and practically invites himself in and says, you know, I can do all this work for you. Um, one day, the wife and... Sorry, the girlfriend the partner, we'll call her, and someone else, I think she said it was her sister, it's in the documentary, come home from shopping, and they see Al standing up on kind of the porch of this house in, in Las Vegas. Well, she gets out, and she says, go up and get Al, tell him we need help getting all this stuff in. Well, it turns around, the guy turns around, it's not Al, it's Fred, and he is dressed just like him, looks just like him, um, and it's really creeping him out. So one day, Al's partner is going through their finances and she notices that some things are off a little bit. Something doesn't look right. So she gets Al and they look over it together and they find out that Fred has opened a credit card in Al's name and has been going out and using it and has run up a huge bill, right? At this time, the wife says, or the girlfriend or the partner says, you got to get him out of our house. He was living with them in Las Vegas, working on the house said, you got to get him out. And he said, oh, hell no. He's going to stay here and he's going to work off what he owes us. So she says, you have to get him out of here. Get him out. She said, take $200 out of the bank, hand it to him and say, this is 
the last money you're getting from me. It's enough to get a bus to somewhere. It's enough to get you out of here and just get out, right? So he doesn't listen, and he keeps him employed and tries to make him work off his debt. While all this is going on, he gets the idea to move him to their Indio, California house. Um, so it's in, I believe it's, uh, yeah, Indio, California. Um, so they decide to move him there. And the reason why is because Indio is very secluded. It's about an hour and a half southeast of Los Angeles. And there, there's less trouble that he can get into, is what Al Adamson says. So moves him there. And... On this property, it's a pretty pretty big property. It's a it's a big house that needs a lot of work. He's already hired um, uh, this Mexican lady and her son to be uh, to kind of live in a trailer on the property, and they kind of upkeep everything, right? So she keeps the house tidy. He does the yard work. They do all this stuff. So he moves Fred Fulford into the Indio house, and he moves in there as well. And him and Fred start to have severe confrontations. And start to fight a lot. And and they're constantly at each other's throats. And his girlfriend, partner, keeps saying, you need to get this man out of our lives. That's why men die first. Yeah. Yeah. So um, saying, get him out. He doesn't do it. One day his brother drives two hours to Indio, California to, to see his, to see Al. So Al's brother comes two hours to Indio, California, and he's not home. And Fred is there. And Fred says, oh, yeah, he went to go look at a car. And Al's brother said, well, that's really weird. He's got four cars. He's not really a car guy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, I don't know what what Al's doing, but he's out looking at a house. I mean, he's out looking at a car, right? So the brother leaves, gets about halfway home, and just thinks to himself, this seems weird. So he calls the house phone and says, is Al back yet? And the guy says, no, he's uh, out looking at a car. He's still out, right? Won't give an answer to where his brother is. So while all this is going on, um, some things come to light that Fred has not only been using that credit card when they were in Vegas, but he also figured out a way to get more money off of Al. And what he was doing is when Al would go and buy all of the supplies to work on the house with, he would sometimes drop it all off and he would leave for a couple of days. Like he would go back to their house in Vegas or he had a property in Texas he might have gone to. And as soon as Al would leave... The, um, the lady that was living on the property said that he would just pack up the truck and go right back to Home Depot or wherever it was, and he would just return all of it and keep the money. So he wasn't working on the house. He wasn't doing anything. So Al Adamson is now missing. They don't know where he is. The girlfriend can't find him. Um, the brother can't find him. And now Fred starts to change all the locks on the house. Starts to change all the locks, starts to keep the cleaning lady out of the house, won't let her come in. Why didn't anyone get the authorities involved? Listen to this. Five weeks go by before anyone thinks to actually report him missing. Five weeks. So no one reported him missing. No one was like, oh, we need to get this guy out of the house. Let's call the cops. Yeah. Um, Sam Sherman, who was his closest friend and producing partner, said that Al did have a habit of just kind of picking up and doing stuff when he wanted to do it. And Fred was telling everybody, yeah, he went down to his um, property in Texas. That's what he moved to after the car thing kind of played out. He was like, oh, yeah, he, he went down. He said he was going to his property in Texas to check on some things there. And they went to Texas. They couldn't find him. They kept coming back to Indio. No one could find him. He was missing. And they finally reported him to the cops, reported his, his, uh, his you know, Status to the cops. Well, Listen, if I'm ever missing for five weeks and you guys don't report <coughs> me, I I will haunt all of you. I think if you were missing for five hours, we would report you. You're pretty good about getting back to everybody. So we'd be like, some shit's up. Um, <laughs> we, we'd be on the phone with them saying, what the hell's going on? So here it gets even more bizarre. So during these five weeks, the cleaning lady and her son start to notice some really weird shit going down at the house. Not just... The um, the locks being changed. Al's dogs, who were his life, have been moved out in the backyard. Okay? And they're living out in the backyard, living outside, which was really odd. Well, she keeps looking over the fence and seeing that they're not being fed. So she starts dropping food and water over the fence for these dogs. And he's taking it and throwing it back over and not feeding these dogs. And she eventually looks over and he has them on short leashes tied to like trees in the backyard so they can't even get to the fence so they can't eat. 
And then, then, she notices there was a bunch of noise in the house. And she notices that the hot tub that was in one section of the house has been pulled out. And all the debris and rubble and everything is laying out in the yard. So the hot tub that was in the house has been <clears throat> broken apart and is laying out in the yard. Well, he's in there and he's pouring concrete and doing all sorts of stuff in the house where the hot tub used to be. So... All of this happens before the cops are even notified that anything's wrong. Cops are finally notified, right? So cops are finally notified after five weeks. Law enforcement officials came into the house and Fred was nowhere to be found. He was gone. I'm also going to point out that the cleaning lady, the lady who was living on the property, the caretaker and her son, also reported that he was wearing Al Adamson's clothing. And saying, oh, Al gave it to me. He told me I could have this. He's not wearing it anymore. And he, he was wearing it. started off as a shirt. Then it was his shirt, his pants, his shoes. He was walking around. He was driving all of Al's cars, which was completely odd. And they still didn't report this to the police. He rips up everything, flees. He pours concrete and tiles where the hot tub used to be. So he tiles the whole area. Um, and he flees. They don't know where he's gone to or anything like that. The cops come in the house, they look around, and they immediately start to notice, because they have his caretaker, the caretaker of the house with them, they start to notice that the mattresses on the beds are wrong. So she notices one mattress is upstairs that should have been downstairs. She notices that the comforter that she went and bought, Al, personally, is nowhere to be found, and that was his favorite comforter, all this stuff, um... And the mattress that was in his room originally is missing. It's gone. So she immediately, she says, you know, I started shaking and I just almost passed out when I realized this. And the cops go in to where the hot tub used to be and they decide they are going to pull everything up. They're going to go ahead and start to look there to figure out why he took out the hot tub. So they spend a night um, breaking up all the tile and they break up all the concrete and they start to dig down. And sure enough, about halfway down, they hit dirt and a smell hits them. And it's the smell of a dead body. They start to look through and they eventually find the body um, wrapped in the comforter that his his caretaker had, um, had given him. They did an autopsy on the body and figured out that it was blunt force trauma to the head. He had been beaten severely in the head and, and murdered. And, and Fred had wrapped him in that, dug up the hot tub and buried him in concrete under the hot tub. Um, so that's where they found his body. So um, his only crime in this case was trying to give someone a chance. And they said he had a bad habit of it. He was just so cheap with everything. And he wanted to give people the benefit of the doubt, wanted to give people second chances. See, this is why you don't do stuff for people. Yeah. So um, what happened shortly after this, they started to, to look for clues on where the gentleman could have gone to, where Fred could have fled. Uh, Fred could have fled. <laughs> and they uh, they basically figure out he's in Florida through some credit card receipts, um, stuff like that. Figure out he's in Florida. And they catch him in a hotel in Florida. Um, Fulford was charged with and convicted of murder and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's kind of where it ends. He was only... and, and it. it it blows me away that the minimum is 25 years. I can't believe he wasn't given full-blown life in prison uh, because, I mean, he murdered a man and buried him under a hot tub, uh, essentially, uh, where, where a hot tub used to be. So um, I don't what did he know. Plea? What is it? What did he plead? I don't know. I don't know. If he pled guilty, it might have been yeah, a deal. Maybe. Maybe they cut a deal with him to, to just say, you know, I did it. So, yeah, there you go. That's the story of Al Adamson. Um, he died in, I believe it was 1995, at the hands of a handyman that he had um, that he had hired to work on his house. And, uh, you know, it, it really, the red flags in this one are what really blow me away. The fact that he was making, he was, Coming his hair like Al. He was wearing Al's clothing. He was trying to live Al's life. Um, he was driving his car. I have so many questions. Yeah. Like, when everyone thought they were being watched and stalked and whatever, was that this guy? How long was he planning this? Because you know he planned it if he, he like, came have. in, yeah. immediately started. Like, how long did he watch Al to be like, 
yeah, that guy takes in strays. Yeah. And then became the stray and decided to become him. And why did he do it? And, like, I have so many questions about, like, his mental health. And, like... I'm going to dig more into his side of it. Because the only thing I've ever read or watched about was from Al's side. Like, his story. Yeah. His friends and his family and the people really close to him and kind of close to the situation. What they tend to believe is that this gentleman... um, just saw a man who was living a life that he wanted to live. And he started to try to imitate him and started to try to act like him. And... I know, but why? What What did <clears throat> he have going on? Was he one of those yeah. people that had a really terrible upbringing? Like, was he in an abusive home? Was he just, yeah. like, having difficulties? Like, I have so many questions yeah, about there's, this. I mean, because you got to think, it's 2021. And he was convicted... And it would have been around 1995, probably 96, 97, because you know how long it it takes. Ah, yes, I was Um, six. Yeah, so, yeah, you know how long it takes to to convict someone. There's a trial, there's all that stuff that has to go down. So he's got to be coming up on that 25-year mark if he's even still alive. Um, I need to do a little more research on him, but I'm, I'm just, here's my deal. I was so entranced with this story because you have to think of how, oddly poetic it all is that a a, a filmmaker famous for making horror films uh like some pretty hardcore ones from time to time dies in in such a like horror movie cliche way right 2020 is 25 years yeah so 2020 was 25 years um, since his death i don't know what year he was convicted because I think it would have to go based on the year he was convicted, right? You said 96, 97, so it I did for 96. So it would have was... to be 96 or 97, so yeah. So it would be anywhere from 2020 to probably around now. Well, let's see. I mean, I'm going to look right now and see if there's anything just about him and see if he's even still alive, because I, I don't even know if he is. Um, oh, yeah, there's actually an entire article that just came out in July about where he is. So let's take oh, a awesome. look. Let's take a look. Yeah, where is Fred Fulford now? This is from an article by The Cinemaholic. So when Fred Fulford stood trial for the first-degree murder of Al Adamson in late late 1999, so it was 1999 by the time he stood trial, um, more than four years after the fact, the prosecutors alleged that the duo argued over money before Fred, in anger um, and mere greed, hit him over the head with a large and heavy object. Then they added that he buried the body to continue benefiting from his name. Fred confessed to forgery, perjury, and abusing Al's money and trust during cross-examination on the stands, but he has continually denied killing him. Instead, Fred maintained that he was being framed. Um, all evidence, though, was against him. Um, After a six-week trial, it took the jury less than two hours to find him guilty of murder. Um, A judge announced this verdict in November of 1999. In March of 2000, he was handed down 25 years to life in prison. So today, at the age of 72, he is detained at the California Healthcare Facility in Stockton. He became eligible for parole in 2016, but was denied it um, by the board for three years. And this exact verdict um, was reissued on June 3rd, 2021. Thus, Fred will face parole suitability um, in June of 2024. So he's been denied parole several times at this point. So he did not plea guilty. He 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 apparently. So there are some people that that do believe that his murder may have something to do with what he uncovered while he was attempting to um, to find information for his alien movie. Which I, I just don't buy. Um, I, I think you're stretching if you do. <laughs> I think it's a big stretch. So we're, so, we're yeah. there's people out there who think that, you know, the lizard people got him because of the aliens yeah. probably. Yeah, that's, that's exactly you. right. I really, so. really think we either need to do it on Proud Me. I don't know that we can do it here, <laughs> but just do like conspiracy theories. Oh, we could. We could. I mean, that's part of true crime. We could do we could Perfect. Do conspiracy. I love conspiracy let's, theories. Let's do this. Let's come up with an episode where you bring three conspiracy theories that you are obsessed with, and I'll bring three. Oh my gosh. We'll I don't know if, if I can bring it down to three. <laughs> okay, well, even if you bring like five, bring, right, bring it great. to the table. And let's see if we can put together an episode about it. Let us know in the comments when we post this episode. Oh my gosh. If you yes. want to hear us do that, please. Um, because I think that would be a super fun. I mean, I know it's branching off a little bit from true crime, but um, I think it's really, really interesting. So uh, yeah. Fred is still luckily in jail. Now that I know that he's up for parole again in 2024, 
before, I will likely be writing some nasty letters to the parole board telling them <laughs> to put that motherfucker in prison for the rest of his life. Uh, because that this is that's brutal. That's a that's a brutal, brutal way to And go. it was it was um, definitely planned. There's no way it wasn't planned. I, I I would believe that I would believe that in a moment of pure anger because him and I were fighting that he did mm-hmm. it. But again, he would have to have thought this through. Listen to the way he hit he the started, and stuff like that. He so. started taking over his life. Yeah. When when someone starts taking over someone's life, the original has to go. Yeah. The only example I actually have of that is from our D&D game. Right. But, like, <laughs> it's facts. It has to be. It so, happened in D&D. It's real. <laughs> here's the deal. We are going to... Um, I, I really I really respect Al Adamson as a filmmaker. So yes. when we do the... Um, when we do the uh, art for this one, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to focus more on just, just his likeness and kind of celebrating Wonderful. his life. But um, if you ever want to see the grave site, there are pictures of it. Oh. Uh, you can't see his body, but I'm going to show you right now. And all you have to do is type in... Go to Google, type in Al Adamson body, and this is where they found him. Uh, so I'm showing Kelsey now, and it's it's pretty simple. It's it's a dirt pit with a body that's clearly covered in a in a blanket, a comforter. So, um, you know, he he really didn't deserve to to go the way that he did. Um, you know, if he if he had lived just because here here's one thing that you can kind of take some solace in with this story if it upsets you like it does me. Um, in the last couple years of his life, he started um, getting invited to fan conventions, horror conventions, and he came home from one of them one day and he called his friends and family. He was like, "People love my movies." I can't fucking believe people actually like my movies. Like, he was blown away by it. Uh, because guy, back then, you have to understand, these movies, the reason that there's a big push to save them right now is because back then, people thought, this is we're going to make it, we're going to show it, and after eight months, it's trash. We throw it out. There was no ho- such thing as home video or anything like that. Right. So it was, it was not made to stand the test of time. So the people who were going out and finding these movies and restoring them and preserving them for people to watch... Um, are, are doing a big service to people. Um, so Severn Films is a big one that does that. Um, Something Weird Video is also kind of responsible for this whole story, too. Uh, so, yeah, he got at least he got that moment in his life where he got to realize that people actually liked his films. Yeah, he didn't have um, a Van Gogh moment where he yeah. died before he found out that he was actually loved. Yeah. Like, I mean, not everybody gets that. Um, a lot of artists die well before their time. Um and, and never get to know the way that people react to their art. Um, the fact that he got to fill it, that he got to fill that love, uh, you know, makes me feel a little bit better about the story. Yeah, for if sure. If he had lasted a while longer and not gotten killed in 95, um, he would have seen a big upswell of love for his films. Uh, because I first heard of his movies in, you know, the early 2000s when I was in high school looking up, you know, weird cinema. And I watched a couple of his films, but they were so hard to track down. So... Um, yeah, that's the uh, the story of Al Adamson. All right. So do we want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing on our next episode? Yeah, I think we definitely should. You can explain. All right, cool. So um, I personally work with and know an author who is getting published by an actual publishing company for the first time. We're going to do an interview with her and talk to her a little bit about that book. We both are lucky enough that we actually get to read it a little bit before um, it comes out. Yep. And it's going to drop in June of this year. And we're going to do an interview with her and we're going to talk about whatever subject she wants to talk about and eat whatever food she's interested in. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. She is picking. So we're going to do the interview, um, talk about her book, uh, which is not necessarily true crime related, but it's still really interesting. I think you'll be interested in in what what she has to say. And then we are going to have her pick her favorite true crime, (laughs) her favorite subject. Yeah, and we're going to have her um, do some input on our restaurant that we're going to pick. Yep. She'll pick a local restaurant, and we'll let her kind of, like, lead it. And, yeah, we're going to talk about... I think she wants to talk about cannibals, and I'm just so here for that. I Yeah. Who doesn't (laughs) want to talk about cannibals? Uh, And I... Honestly, have we talked about cannibalism at all on this show? We haven't, but the first... Um, the first person I started researching for this podcast yeah. was um, considered America's first cannibal. So um, someday we'll talk about that, but not quite yet. 
Yeah, and also, um, I did most of today's episode off the top of my head because I know so much about Al Adamson. So uh, if you want to know more about him, uh, there are several books. And again, mm-hmm. there is a super expensive box set because uh, now it's out of print. Uh, originally, it was $200, and I think now it goes for upwards of six to $700 oh, wow. uh, to buy the box set of his films. But you can also find DVDs all over the place. You can find his movies streaming everywhere. Um, I think he had more than one Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, Carnival Magic is one of the, the newer MST3K episodes. Okay. Definitely worth checking out. But this has been Main Corpse. We hope you loved it. We had a really good time this week, I think. We did. This was a lot of fun. Um, I got to talk about something I'm passionate about. So uh, stay creepy, you bunch of creeps. All right. We'll talk to you here in a couple of weeks, guys. I didn't do the thing where you can find us. You know where to find us. Go find us. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't tell you where to go to Takaria Lulu. Oh, my gosh. We're horrible. Yeah. So let's do that super quick. And then I will record all the other stuff later because I don't have my book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um... Takaria Lulu is at 1217 Buchanan Pike in Nutter Fort, West Virginia, and they are open pretty much every day of the week, I think, and their food is amazing. They've got specials on different days of the week. They've got sangria specials. They've got their Taco Tuesdays. Oh, they have such good cakes. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check them out and for sure... Mm -hmm try some of the weirder stuff they've got be like the beef tongue because it is so good yeah don't be afraid of that uh i think it's called like the like the taco truck section is what it's called something like that go to that section because yeah yeah, it's called off the truck off the truck yeah Yeah. go to that section because all of the food there is better than anything i've ever had yeah it's really really good so go go give them some love on facebook they're on there too yeah we're gonna tag them for this episode We had a lot of fun this week. Thanks, guys. Stay creepy for real this time.